the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here. It's a Pro-America Report. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot of things to straighten out. I need a couple more hours. We're only an hour together right now for the next hour. Ed Martin here will straighten things out. Uh, thank you to Andrea Kay and her great listeners. Hey, be reminded, I'll take your calls when we get a chance. I love to hear from the listeners and folks that are texting me. I'll run through all the numbers, write them down so you got them. Again, Ed Martin here, Pro-America Report. Go to edmartinlive.com first off. And put your name in that little box that pops up, and I will send you an email every morning. It'll give you the best of the show the night before, best articles I see. It's what you need to know, the Daily Wink. Uh, just go to edmartinlive.com and sign up there. You can also email me at ed at edmartinlive.com. Some of the folks like to put me on their list and uh, keep me up to date or correct me when they hear something wrong. So that's always welcome. And uh, also at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. Had a great exchange with our guest last night, Steve Cortez. At Cortez Steve on Twitter, he uh, he uh, retweeted our conversation last night where he took apart the fine people hoax uh, that is such a debacle that the left has pushed on our president. Uh, and the last one is Facebook Live. You can go to Facebook Live right there. I'm on. Ed, go to excuse me, Facebook, and go to Ed Martin Live to find the show there. And of course, listen at theanswersandiego.com. Go there for podcasts and all the rest. Uh, what am I? What am I forgetting? Oh, you can text me. Some people like to text me directly. I had some folks listening right now. You can text me at three one four. 256 1776-314-256-1776. And that uh, goes right to my phone. All right, enough of that. Now, good to catch up. Great to be with you. Pro-America Report, a lot to report on. But as we start, a couple minutes, we'll talk with really important couple uh, guests. Uh, Gary Glenn is out of Michigan, former state rep, uh, military man. And a fighter, man, a fighter against all the crazy left-wing agenda items. And they throw him on the ballot now, trying to mess up everybody's life. And then we'll talk with Mark Fitzgibbons, who's a very successful businessman. And he's going to talk to us about Congressman uh, Steve Stockman who was, you know, the, the term is overused, but he's railroaded uh, by the deep state. I mean, he really was railroaded by the deep state. So we'll, we'll hear from... Um, Mark, who knows a lot about what exactly what happened and uh, get an update on that. So uh, all that coming up today before let's go. Let's talk about what today's wink is. What do you need to know today about what's happening? What's gone on all the day? I say, well, to cut through it for me, Ed, and tell me what I do. I need to know about the unbelievable breakthrough Mideast peace proposal. It's pretty important. We'll talk later about it a little bit. It's pretty important. The president's got a lot of people to the table willing to make a deal uh and it's pretty big it's not what you need to know it's not the number one thing but it's a big deal he's got the palestinians offering them a two-state solution he's got the israelis agreeing with it it's it's a pretty big deal uh but that's not what you need to know that's not the number one thing you've got here's what you need to know it's not it, by the way it's um Let's see what else is out there. The president's rally in New Jersey uh, with the guy that flipped uh, from Democrat to Republican, Jeff Van Drew. That was pretty epic. If you watch that, I did tonight. It was wild in New Jersey. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I know a little bit about Jersey and they know how to tear things up. And Trump was on fire. But that wasn't even what you need to know. All right, I got to it. I teased you about it. Here's what you need to know. Listen carefully. Very important. It's a call to action, call to arms. And it goes like this. Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney 
is officially a traitor to the country. You heard me right. Mitt Romney, the 2012 nominee for president. Was he 2012? Yeah, 2012 nominee for president is a traitor, a traitor to our country. He is someone who dabbles in destroying not just the Republican Party, but our whole uh, uh, republic. He's so such a he's such a transparently phony politician when he was in massachusetts he was pro-choice for obamacare when he ran for office in utah last year or two, 10 18 months ago he was pro-trump uh, he had begged trump to make him secretary of state as soon as he gets elected he decides to become a moderate i don't even know what he is to be honest i don't know what's in his heart or his mind i don't know i all he cares about is power and now he has the country uh, hinging on his decisions and his ability to convince other Republicans in the caucus to go along with him and demand that the impeachment hoax, this stupid effort to damage this president, go on for weeks and months. Because the defense rested today after a torturous 23 and a half hours of the of the um, impeachment managers they they it was about 10 hours 8 hours of the defense they rested now there's going to be written questions from the senators the senators have to write down questions send them to John Roberts the chief justice will read them aloud questions will be aimed at the impeachment managers the defense will go on for 2 or 3 days and only at that point will Mitch McConnell and the Republicans go in a room and decide if they're going to call witnesses and Mitt Romney is openly campaigning with the media and privately campaigning through leaks to try to force that to happen. Why? Not because of some principle about the Constitution or what's good for the economy or the people or our safety. He's not addressing the fact that China's invading our country with the coronavirus, with fentanyl, with uh, with and, and the borders open. We got these fools in Washington spending hours a day looking at each other while we, we've got a pandemic across the globe, and we can't even close the airports. And Mitt Romney's holding the country hostage. Enough is enough. And here's the trick. Here's the game you have to understand they're playing. It's very cynical, very sick, very twisted. I I wouldn't go so far as to say it's evil. I don't know if he's evil. The conduct is evil in the sense that it's destroying things that are good. America, this president's presidency. I like to be a little careful. I did a TV show today, and they asked about Paula White, uh, the uh, preacher, who said that she, if there were uh, satanic babies in the in the belly, that they should. She hoped that they miscarried. I, you know, that was a bit carried away for me. But I mean, I do believe in evil. I do believe in Satan. So I'm not afraid when someone talks about that. But let's get back to what I'm saying. I, you need to understand this. It's a very sophisticated thing. It's not just somehow that Mitt Romney's, you know, quaffed and died, you know, like a woman. He dyes his hair carefully. It's not that he's persuasive. He's not a good speaker. He's not. It's all about money and influence. So Mitt Romney has raised hundreds of millions of dollars because he was the nominee in 2012. And after that, he continued on. And when he was running for uh, Senate, he got tons of money. The establishment Republicans, the powers that be, all the McKinsey consultants and the Bain Capital consultants, all of Wall Street know he's an easy mark. Invest in him. He'll keep business going as usual, which means the powerful get more powerful and we the people get stuck. So when they look across the room, the 53 members of the Republican caucus, or 52, and look at Mitt, some of them that are weak, 
that only care about reelection think to themselves, I'm kind of tired of the Trump thing. I, I don't know what to make of him. But that Mitt, he's got a lot of money and a lot of influence. And he's promising if I stick with him and I'm principled like him, I can go ahead. I'll get his support. He'll endorse me. He'll raise the money. He'll put in his network of donors. And again, I don't mean to be too harsh because there are a few exceptions, but they're few and far between. Most people in elected office, most, almost all, care only about getting reelected. Their principles are secondary to that. Their, their idea, they start out wanting to be idealistic and help people. I think many of them, not all of them, or some of them are just, you know, from the beginning, you know, uh, uh, not, not, not honorable people. But in general, by the time they're in for a while, they just, they care for, let me say it differently. They care about their principles, but secondary to being reelected. They care about the poor, the unborn, the, you know, helping people get out of poverty, all the, you know, the opportunity for all the economy, but it's second to being reelected. So when they look across the room and they see Mitt Romney promising them things, they say, ah, maybe, maybe that's better than what I've got. Maybe I could be a part of this. And here's what you need to know. If you care about the future of this country, the future for your kids and grandkids, not even, not even for yourself only. You better pick up the phone and call your senator, and if there's a Republican, if he's a Democrat, forget about it, and say, run from Mitt Romney. If you happen to be listening, I know a lot of people listen online, and you're in Maine. I'm, I've got people in Maine I'm talking to. We get, tell Susan Collins, you know, don't listen to Romney. If you're in Colorado, tell Cory Gardner, don't listen to Romney. If you're in, in Alaska, Murkowski, don't listen to Romney. You get the point. Romney should be, a, a, Romney should be unwelcome at any civilized, serious Republican event or conservative event that's pro-life, that's pro-America, should not be welcome. He is once again trying to destroy the country. That's what he's doing. He, whatever he thinks he's doing in his holier-than-thou stances and prances. Be right back. It's Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report right here on The Answer. Be right back. Streaming now on The Answer San Diego app and radio.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin. Great to be with you tonight. Uh, just got a text from one of you in here. I, I post up. Uh, I post up. I'm like a basketball player. I uh, I post on uh, to social media all the articles I'm talking about, all the stories I am. So you'll see the wink. My rant on Romney, the traitor, just there uh, up on social media as well as in the daily email, the Wink email. Go to edmartinlive.com. You'll see a pop-up box. Put in your email address. I promise I don't trade it, sell it, give it to anybody. It's just for the email, so uh, be very careful with that. All right, our next guest is my old friend Gary Glenn. Gary Glenn right now is one of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles uh, who works in Michigan and across the country. He's got some nationwide initiatives uh, based on his background as a uh, member of the United States Army Reserves, the uh, Army National Guard also he was for i guess a full eight years is it eight years that he was in the uh, house of representatives he'll have to correct me but i know they have term limits up there but he served for a while in the house of representatives in michigan um more interesting from the conversation now in my mind is back in 2004 you got to remember back this time across the country there swept a desire to put on the ballot Something that defined marriage between a man and woman, often called in Michigan, it was called the Marriage Protection Amendment, sometimes called a little different in other places, like uh, Proposition 8 that was on the ballot, or is it Proposition 8 that was on the term right on, on California, California, but it was voted on by the people. 
And, you know, the people spoke. And then, of course, the Supreme Court overruled the people. Well, in a lot of states now, and this is something Gary's seeing in uh, Michigan, they're trying to put stuff on the ballot. They're trying to get things through and sort of scare people into voting uh, maybe against their interest, at least what should be sane. But uh, let's catch up on what's happening in Michigan and in these issues. Gary, how are you? Welcome to the program. Gary Glenn. Great. Good evening, Ed. How are you? I'm doing fine. First, give me your sense. You worked hard. You were the head of the American Family Association of Michigan. You got the Marriage Protection Amendment uh, approved in 04. And, you know, a couple years later, five, six, seven, maybe more than that, maybe more like eight, ten, uh, it gets rolled back by the Supreme Court. Are you now, because of that experience, are you convinced that these, you know, voter initiatives are, are less useful or are you more convinced? What's your sense on for sort of being burned by the people spoke, but then they got overruled by the Supreme Court? Well, Ed, even uh, more broadly than here in Michigan, uh, the marriage protection amendments were on the ballot in about 30 states, and they passed by an average margin of over 60%. So the five members of the United States Supreme Court overturned the will of the votes of millions, tens of millions of Americans in 30 states. And I'm hopeful someday, just like Roe v. Wade, that if President Trump, for example, gets enough appointments to the United States Supreme Court, they might revisit that. Uh, I think yeah. if it's on the ballot in Michigan today, it would pass by a similar margin as it did back in uh, 2004 by nearly a hmm. 60% uh, margin. The Harris poll uh, did a poll last August in which they found very surprisingly but very encouragingly for you and me that millennials... Yeah are less comfortable and growing less comfortable, especially female millennials, with the entire homosexual and transgender political agenda. And they theorized it was because what's moving front and center now is the question of whether or not a a high school girl's track star ought to be blocked from going to the state meet because the state allows boys to run in the regional meets against the girls and beat them has recently happened in Connecticut and resulted in a lawsuit by some of the female runners. Or whether that girl ought to be forced to share her locker room and shower with those same boys after the meet's over. Uh, so there, there is a perhaps surprising but nonetheless encouraging turn among millennials, and especially millennial females, away from this whole homosexual transgender agenda. So this issue is not... I would tell by any means. Yeah, no. Uh, but so, and, and Gary, before I want to get to what you're seeing when we were, you and I were exchanging emails on some of what the sexual orientation, the gender identity ballot measures in Michigan. But before you get to that, what's your opinion now that you've been through the ringer and back on uh, ballot initiatives? I mean, do you think they get abused by the left more than they get used successfully by the right? I mean, you know, I hear that sometimes from people. They say, well, we're going to put a ballot initiative on to have a photo ID uh, for voting. And then they say, yeah, but we get rolled by the big money and the Soros money. What, do you do you think they're useful or you think they're now become, uh, you know, a little bit like back in the day, a lot, of, a lot of us, and I still am one of them, think term limits was great. Well, after 25 years of some of these state legislatures, you say to yourself, boy, it's rolling out some of the good guys, and it's a little bit mixed. And uh, so what's your sense of uh, voter initiative and all? Well, I think the voter initiative can be a useful tool. Uh, uh, For example, Michigan just repealed its uh, uh, government price-fixing scheme for the cost of labor on public construction projects, the prevailing wage law, because 
enough signatures were gathered to put it in front of the legislature, and if we failed to act, uh. put it on the ballot, the Marriage Protection yeah. Amendment is a good example of our being able to successfully use that to make policy in 30 states uh, about a decade ago. Yeah. And, and subsequently. So I'm not prepared to write off. Uh, you know, both sides can use these ballot initiatives not only to implement policy, but to drive voter turnout. Uh, we have one on the ballot uh, potentially in Michigan in 2020. And by the way, this question has been on local ballots at the city and county level in Michigan since the year 2000 uh, more times than the other 49 states combined. because we Which issue? Which issue? Which, which, which issue? And that is whether or not we ought to add sexual orientation and gender identity oh. and expression to local, or in this case, now being proposed by our two major utility companies, uh, interestingly, are the ones pushing it, uh, to add it huh. to the statewide ballot. Wow. All right. So walk me through what you're saying here. In Michigan, on the statewide ballot next fall, are two ballot initiatives on gender identity and sexual orientation, or is that one? Just one. One, Okay. And what's it? What would it do? What what would it do? What would it do? And what's the purported reason for it? Well, it would add to the state civil rights law that prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, creed, color, sex, etc. And it would redefine the term sex as it already appears in that law to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, again, perhaps surprising but encouraging is that when these things have been put up for consideration at the local level, three recent examples, three, four of the most recent examples, uh, in Bay County, which is six to one Democrat on its county commission, it was rejected Mm -hmm. for three. The Saginaw City hmm. Council, which is nine to nothing Democrat and predominantly African American, it was rejected unanimously. When it was on the Hamtramck ballot, which is a suburb of Detroit that is largely Muslim and Catholic, interesting combination. When I went to yeah. speak down there, they would translate what I said into Arabic and Bengali. <laughs> and hmm. the day that Obama wow. got 80% of the vote in Hamtramck in 2008, we rejected one of these gay rights, transgender issue ballot measures, 55-45. And Sterling Heights, similarly, predominantly Democrat, its city council rejected it after voters gathered enough signatures to put it back in front of them with the threat that it would go on the ballot. If they didn't act, they rejected it. So even Democrat, Hmm. uh, as a candidate for the State House of Representatives, Ed, I had three Democrat elected officials in Bay County, one of the counties I represented in the state house, endorse me or contribute to me or vote for me specifically on the basis of my opposition to these sexual orientation transgender policies that have been up for consideration in Bay County. So it's not just conservatives or Republicans. I think you'll see opposition to this ballot measure will be multiracial. It will be bipartisan. It probably will be outspent because the major corporations in Michigan are pushing it. Uh, But I do think we have a chance to defeat it. Uh, It's going to be one of the biggest and hottest ballot measure battles in Michigan in 2020. Uh, We're talking with uh, Gary Glenn. And Gary, uh, where can people go to find out more about uh, this uh, ballot initiative and, and what you're up to? Is there one site you recommend? Uh, there is not a site up yet, but I'm confident there will be one up soon uh, that will okay. talk about it specifically, a, a 
a site that will oppose it, but they can just Google uh, sexual orientation Michigan ballot measure for 2020. Okay. And, and okay, good. And and one one more thing on this. I'm looking back at my notes, Gary. We're talking with Gary Glenn, who works for uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles conservative causes up in Michigan, former member of the Michigan House of Representatives. Um, who did you say wants it? I mean, big corporations want it. Why? I mean, is it because they are they lean liberal or they have a board of directors that wants it or the CEO's wife is a liberal? I mean, who? what's their rationale for spending millions to do it? Well, their claimed rationale is is that even though there's nothing in the law that prohibits them from enforcing whatever policies they want regarding their own employees, they frame it in such a way that we have to have these you know, homosexual and transgender rights laws or we can't attract the best employees. It'll, de- it'll uh, detract from economic development. And, of course, that's a ridiculous huh. argument. All you've got to do is look at a map of the United States. It's common sense that the more conservative states – for example, that have passed right-to-work laws or would be least likely to pass these homosexual transgender laws that are leading the nation in job creation, income growth, and economic development. But that's just their cover. But uh, Consumers Energy, Detroit Edison, the two major monopoly utilities in the state, Dow uh, Chemical Corporation, Amazon, Uh, Herman Miller Furniture, they're the ones that launched the petition drive, announced it a couple of weeks ago. And so they've already put up $1.5 million to gather the signatures. Figure it'll take $3 million total just to gather the signatures. And they have until May 27th to do it. No matter who's sponsoring it, it is a threat to religious freedom. It is a proven threat where these, in, these policies have been put into law. That, for example, right. Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, their <laughs> office in Washington or St. Louis, would be in violation right. of the law if you refuse to hire a cross-dressing man. Uh, or as happened in Connecticut, you have two boys taking two of the slots in girls' track at the state track meet because they claim to believe they're girls. Uh, you had huh. a Catholic farm family here in Michigan who, because they wouldn't allow their farm to be used as a reception uh, area for a lesbian wedding was refused access to the farmer's market by East Lansing City Council. So these kind of things are a discriminatory solution in search of a non-existent problem. Nobody knows anybody in Michigan who's been denied a job or been thrown out of a restaurant or out of their apartment because of who they had sex with. And yet we can detail dozens of examples of how people, Christians and others, have been discriminated against by these policies once they became law. Hmm. All right. Well, Gary, keep us in the loop now. You gotta, you're going to go into a period where they're going to raise the money. It's going to become clearer. So keep us in the loop. Gary Glenn up in Michigan, update on uh, what the left is doing. Uh, well, the left and the corporations on some of these uh, uh, leftist agenda items on the uh, ballot initiatives. So uh, keep us in the loop, Gary. Thank you for your time. We'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the movement. And uh, our next guest is uh, a a friend of mine. I've known him for a long time, and uh, he's somebody who is one of the smarter guys understanding how things fit together in the world of politics, campaigns, campaign finance. His name is Mark Fitzgibbons, and Mark is the uh, president of Corporate Affairs 
over at Richard Vagary's company. Richard started it over 50 years ago, 50, like 45 years ago, called American Target Advertising. An unbelievably groundbreaking uh, uh, entity that Richard started and Mark's been a part of. And he's a lawyer who's also uh, quoted a lot, writes a lot, but has litigated cases for constitutional law. And and what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Steve Stockman, who is a congressman, a Republican congressman, who has been sentenced to uh, prison for an outrageously long time uh, based on kind of FEC uh, allegations of FEC problems, meaning Federal Election Commission. And and a lot of us have been uh, rooting for him uh, to get clemency, to get a lesser sentence. And there's a recent effort to file an amicus brief and bring some attention to it. So first of all, Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. And I appreciate very much your time. Can you walk us through for a listener that's just coming to this? We, you know, our, our show originates out of uh, San Diego. So folks know of Duncan. Hunter Jr. He's had some problems. That was real sort of misconduct. I, I hate to say that, but he's admitted to some of that. But this is different. It's a different case. It has to do with the 2014 election. Can you walk us through what happened to Steve and why it's such a, a, a terrible situation? Oh, absolutely, Ed. Steve uh, was a firebrand conservative, uh, you know, one of the more outspoken critics of the Obama administration. He called for Lois Lerner to be jailed. And not long after calling for Lois Lerner to be jailed, the FBI showed up at his door. Uh, and uh, they charged him with a number of different uh, fundraising uh, violations and, and violations of campaign finance law. Uh, and it's, it's a confusing area of the law. And in fact, people who are specialists in this area of law often disagree among themselves about what the meaning of the laws are. So uh, the case was presented to a jury and they convicted him uh, and he's in jail for 10 years. He's been sitting in jail for two years now, so he's got eight more years. And he filed an appeal after his criminal conviction and the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued its decision upholding his conviction uh, just recently on January 12th. Uh, January 10th, and uh, the, the opinion really is is, is uh, judicial activism. Uh, they took uh, they took words out of context from one Supreme Court decision and uh, upheld the conviction. And uh, a number of us are shaking our heads. We who know campaign finance laws know that the conviction should not have uh, stood. And so uh, a number of conservatives, including lawyers who are specialists in campaign finance, are filing an amicus brief on behalf of Steve. But this is a case of you know the government prosecuting an outspoken conservative. Imagine that, Ed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've been here before. But, Mark, uh, tell our listeners... I mean, one of the things about this is the kinds of things it's like it's like if they came right now to any small business owner, because that's what any campaign is. Any anybody runs for Congress. I mean, I did it in 2010 and the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, who you knew well, did it a couple times. It's like a startup business. And any small business owner knows if the IRS and the FBI and I don't know, pick a thing came on any given day, they could they could probably find five things that, you know, either look wrong. And and most of the time, the answer is, well, I, I maybe. Maybe I missed that, but, you know, my intention was here and therefore you don't get 10 years. I mean, that's one of the things here that's outrageous. People don't get 10 years for killing someone when they're drunk driving and you got a guy that's getting 10 years. I mean, tell us about that part of this. Oh, absolutely. He raised money for a couple of nonprofit organizations. 
and he had big plans. And so he went to just two donors who were sophisticated donors. He said, these are my plans. This is what I want to do. Uh, they gave him some seed money, and he wanted to go out and raise more money for these for these big projects. He didn't get around to raising enough money for these projects. So the, uh, the court said, well, since you didn't complete these projects, uh, we're going to accuse you of uh, charitable solicitation fraud because it must have been since you raised all that money and you didn't complete the projects. And, and right. it, you know, anybody who works in a nonprofit organization knows, uh, you know, failure is not the same as fraud or underachieving is not the same as, as fraud. Things happen all the time that prohibit uh, an organization from reaching its goal. And that's not fraud. That's just life. Uh, but uh, but particularly on the campaign finance uh, charges, Ed, um, it, it, the, the opinion that the Fifth Circuit uh, wrote actually mocked uh, Congressman Stockman. It mocked him, and uh, it was uh, just rather disgraceful that judges would, would mock somebody like this. Uh, Steve's a good man. He's, he's a good Christian. He's a good, honest man. Uh, and on top of that, uh, the judges did not write in their opinion the word words First Amendment one time, even though campaign finance is controlled by the First Amendment. And they violated the First Amendment in their opinion, and they, they engaged in some judicial activism. So uh, uh, all these things uh, that that people do when they're trying to start up an organization, whether it's a business or a nonprofit organization, you're going out there trying to find seed money. And if you fail, this opinion says that can be uh, that can lead to charges of fraud. Uh, uh, there's a great article written by uh, one of our, our conservative friends, Rachel Alexander. She said all nonprofits should be terrified of this opinion. And, and believe me, when, you, when you're involved in a nonprofit organization, your donors are the most important people in the world to you. You have great respect for your donors, and uh, and you, you and if you know there are scam artists out there, of course, but the, the nonprofit organizations and the good people and good conservatives out there raising money, trying to do good things, and now we've got this opinion out of the Fifth Circuit that says, well, if you don't succeed, um, and if you don't dot all your eyes. Uh, you could get charged with fraud, particularly if you're an outspoken critic of uh, uh, big government. <laughs> yeah, well, and and Mark, I want to ask you two questions. One is uh, about um, the fu- uh, the future. I'll get to it in a minute. The future under the next president, Democrat president, and when 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 we if Lois Lerner wasn't punished and she wasn't, if Eric Holder wasn't punished and he wasn't, uh, what, what what would it be like in the future for nonprofits and for conservatives? Before I get to that, though, what's the best hope for Steve Stockman? You you said you're appealing to the Fifth Circuit for en banc. Uh, is there a chance that the president will catch wind? To this is it is it sort of you know guys that like him Steve Stockman I remember him Phyllis Schlafly used to you say he's tough he's been he was tough for twenty five or thirty years and and they make uh, their own party mad right he's made enough enemies in his own party because he didn't fall for all the you know jive that uh, the establishment Republicans did what's the best hope you have for Steve Stockman right now is it is it clemency is it the appeal goes up and moves what do you think what's the best uh, case well this this. Part of his appeal is asking the full Fifth Circuit, over 20 judges, 
to hear uh, to rehear his case, and so it, it very rarely are those appeals uh, granted. Uh, so we're also hoping that uh, President uh, Trump will see fit to pardon Steve. Uh, Steve was almost uh, Trump before Trump, uh, being an outspoken right. critic of the deep state, and uh, yeah. and uh, you know it's, they they went after Steve like they're going after uh, President Trump, and you know fortunately uh, President Trump is is uh, fighting the deep state and he's winning, uh, but uh, Steve didn't have the resources uh, to, to 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 fight uh, the deep state like President Trump had you know before he got elected, and uh, and and. Fortunately, he's surrounded himself with outstanding lawyers. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so let me I, let me let me transition. Yeah, and let me transition real quick, Mark. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to run out of time. And by the way, Mark's uh, company is AmericanTarget.com. It's got a great uh, website for the team there. Where you see Richard Vagary, who's a legend, and then um, we're, again we're talking uh, with Mark Fitzgibbons and, uh, uh, on this. So, last question: Imagine, if you will. The, you know, uh, President Kamala Harris, who's sworn in in January 2025, and she appoints, uh, you know, Attorney General uh, Javier Becerra. And what and and what they will do if they were able to do this to Steve. I mean, you know, this is one of the things I tell people. You better hope Trump wins in large part because Lord knows what the the uh, the, the the left will do with the power of the government. And too many Republicans stand by and let it happen. So what? tell me what you think of that. It would be a slaughter, Ed. Uh, they would come after us with such a vengeance. Uh, uh, when Kamala Harris was uh, state attorney general in California, she was uh, uh, you know, a bit vindictive. If she gets more power, if people on the left like her, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, if they get power, they're going to come after us. You know, we all feared... We all feared we were going to jail if Hillary became president. Uh, and and uh, so this 2020 election is not only about the future of America. It is about uh, if you're a conservative, it is about and if you're an outspoken, high profile conservative, it is about uh, self-preservation, your own self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. Self, uh, yeah. And, you yeah. know, <laughs> you know and, and, and if it's if it's the wrong uh, if it's the wrong president, uh, I hope we're in the same uh, gulag here. <laughs> same way as same wing. All right. Mark Fitzgibbon, thank you. Keep us in the loop on Steve Stockman. Give me an update every now and then. I think it's important, and uh, I'll look forward to hearing that. i got to run, though. I'm getting yelled at in my ear by uh, my uh, d- technical director here. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the, the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here, Pro-America Report. We're covering a lot of ground. Uh, Great, great program. Go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com to get the show live. A lot of folks are listening live right now. If you're not able to listen in the San Diego area, and also anywhere you get your podcast, you'll find the show by tomorrow morning. All the pieces will be there. So great to be with you. All right, uh, it's the Pro America Report, and so let's report on it, and especially where we're falling down on the job. So let's talk a little China, and uh, you know today uh, the news came out of Britain that uh, Britain has decided to let uh, Huawei build a bunch of their 5G. Um, thereby turning over a bunch of their 5G to the Chinese Communist government. That's what they do. They don't build it and then leave. They build it so they're in your in your life. 
So that's a mistake. And frankly, we tried. I think America tried to say, don't do it. We've got other choices. Uh, we've got other ways to do it. And, and you know, we've talked before about the the San Diego home um town uh Qualcomm and others but uh, other you know technology companies but there you go China and even China they're not just uh, influencing you know small countries in central Africa that need the money uh they're doing it with the with Britain I mean who needs the money of course but but it's not the same as you you think to yourself well you know they're going to do the right thing uh and uh so that's bad news okay that's China um you know they're they're um the uh um uh, the other news as breaking all over the world is China can't uh, um, can't stop their uh, co- uh, co- coronavirus from um, taking over the uh, well, 57 million people are quarantined the last time we uh, checked in China and in five or six big cities. And there's cases breaking out all over Europe and America. And here's my thing. China can't control the the outflow of coronavirus. They also can't control the inf- the outflow to the flow into America of fentanyl, which is produced there, what can they control? And by the way, they can control all this. They're a command control economy and nation. They're just choosing not to. They're choosing not to. And now comes the news late today that a Harvard professor, one of the biggest professors in chemistry at Harvard who's got massive NIH grants and Defense Department grants and access to all kinds of things, uh, named Charles Lieber, was arrested. And he'd been receiving millions of dollars in Chinese funding, but more importantly, cash payments, $50,000 a month, I think is what they're quoting. He had, a, he had a fake university set up in Wuhan University of Technology, a lab or something. It was just a front to give him lots of money, which is, by the way, one of the cities that's quarantined, Wuhan University. I don't know if Mr. Lieber was exposed, but he's been arrested. And he is actually known, I mean, it's described as part of the Thousand Talents Program, which is a, a Chinese program to send people and, and, and steal from America technology and knowledge and everything else. Again, no disrespect to, uh, you know, a community college. I've studied at community colleges, and I probably like them better than the four-year. But it's Harvard. We're talking about Harvard. And where the FBI and the U.S. attorney had great lines in the indictments and in the media, in the, in the testimony or in the uh, public um, press conferences. But where's America? China's coming and taking the best they can out of Harvard. They're sending fentanyl. They're poisoning the world with the coronavirus, and, and they're not hiding it. I mean, they, they have things called the Thousand Talents Program, is what they call the effort to steal from us. The Belt and Road Initiative is, a, is this global development strategy, is bribing nations all across the world to let them build stuff there and own stuff there and 5G everywhere. And where's the pro-America part of America? Understanding what the threat is. It's not like a competition of who can have the best Olympic team in the summer of 2020. This is losing big chunks of the country because we're not vigilant and not serious about it. Nobody wants to be serious about it. Nobody wants to say what's happening, which is China is trying to damage America, destroy America. And every time we get a a campaign for president, everybody talks tough on China. The president's been good on the trade stuff. But if they caught somebody at Harvard spying on America, 
How many how many people are in the State Department and the, and the, and the all these bureaucracies that are are, are paid agents for China? How many? I don't want to sound like Joseph McCarthy, but we might need a Joseph McCarthy to get to the bottom of what's going on. All right. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin. Thank you, Noah, technical director, Joanna, producer, Pro-America Report. Be back tomorrow night.